0: Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we've got a very special guest with us. Joining us to help us preview the Vikings at Green Bay Packers game It's Packer Report writer Zach Jacobson. Say hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, for those of you who have been listening to Drew and I for a while, we like to have Zach join us for pretty much any opportunity we can Um, when the Vikings are involved with the Packers because he does such a great job uh, breaking down Green Bay in kind of digestible and fun way uh, for Vikings fans, especially. So uh, Drew and I have a long history working with Zach and we think he does a great job. So he's here today to help us with that. Um, and we'll be doing kind of a variation of what we typically do. Um, obviously, you guys are probably expecting us to go piece by piece and break down the Packers roster and how the Vikings will try to oppose it. But since we've already done that once this year, um, we'll kind of freelance a little bit. And we're going to start off by, you know, discussing the, the most recent game between these two teams. Obviously, the week one performance that Vikings fans are trying to get so we are going to of course bring that up again um, and talk about that so that you can enjoy that conversation um, and then we will go through some of these developing assets that Green Bay has had the luxury of um, enjoying this season uh, specifically Jair Alexander is who I'm thinking about when I say that sentence so uh, that's the game plan for today uh, first and foremost Zach uh, how are you doing what's uh, what's been what's been up with you what's new in your life how uh, how's Packer Report
1: Everything is good, man. Just trying to stay healthy, of course, with all these all this crazy stuff going on right now. Uh, living that, that homebody lifestyle, as oh, I've been doing yeah. for the past seven, eight months. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just staying busy. Obviously, we have football to keep ourselves occupied. Um, yeah, Well, you I, do. Uh,
0: you have football to keep yourself occupied. You have um, a very exciting football. team. Yeah, you yeah, have a very exciting team to follow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I know you guys can't say the same right now. Sorry. <laughs> That's,
0: I mean, honestly, this is the right year to to make those comments because Drew and I um, have been kind of um, falling apart lately in terms of our trying to have a good time doing the show and talking about <laughs> this team. Uh, it's been more me than Drew, for sure. I think I've had a few more close to heart attacks than Drew has, but still, this has been not the best season. And of course, it is only reinforced by the fact that your Packers are five and one. So um, let's start it with that first football game between these two teams, right? Because I think that the perception of the game was considerably different back in week one, of course, right? Uh, Vikings fans, all of us, remember, we are pretty confident. We felt pretty good about this organization. Um, looking at the Packers last season and kind of seeing that, you um, what at least Minnesotans concurred was a fluky run to the postseason from a team that was guided by a very good quarterback and a roster that at the time did not appear to have the pieces to contend the way that they did. Um, and we were shut up very quickly. That first game against the Packers in Minnesota was not good. And it was. there's nothing redeemable about that performance at all, of course, Green Bay jumped out to that monstrous lead, and Kirk Cousins did his stat padding towards the end to make this look like a you know a, a nine-point game when really um, this was considerably different than that. So, uh, Drew, what do you remember about that glorious football game Week One, and what do you take away heading into this Week Seven game?
2: Uh, well, the Week One game, I remember like three plays being a huge difference in that game. Like you get the the gyre safety, which we'll talk about him more, but when he kind of freelanced on that uh, play near the goal line and made a safety on Kirk. Uh, you got, I think he also had the interception near the end of the half, which basically gave Packers, I think it went from a like a five-point game to a 12-point game at half or something like that. Uh, so there's a few plays that really turned the tide in that one. Uh, but, you know, things have changed, I think, quite a bit since then. Uh, since then, we now know that, you know, Ineek Gakaway is no longer on the team. We know that Daniel Hunter is done for the year. You know, and Anthony Barr has done for the year. Um, and for Green Bay, you know, Devonta Adams, though he has missed a few games, he's back. And I remember that week one game, Devonta Adams on a 10-yard out was, you know, Green Bay's go-to uh, go-to scheme, go-to play there. And the Pack- the Vikings didn't seem to have an answer for it. So I would imagine that'll be on repeat once again this Sunday. So, uh, you know, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, elite Aaron Rodgers is back uh, after maybe a couple years, arguably, of not being elite. Uh, but he's certainly... Uh, showing up the haters, if you will now. Uh, and so Zach, I, you know, I, I can't imagine you have any concerns about this week based on how things went week one, but also how, uh, Packers are playing recently, especially against the Texans. So, um, what are you, what are you thinking about going into this week? Uh, and do you have any reservations about it?
1: Not necessarily, just with the way the offense is playing right now, and you see how comfortable Aaron Rodgers is. When the offensive line is playing this well, I think that really dictates how everything else operates. When you see how comfortable and how in tune Aaron Rodgers is, when he's playing in rhythm, which is something he he wasn't doing in the last year of Mike McCarthy's offense. He wasn't playing in rhythm. And in 2017, those first five games when he was healthy, he wasn't playing in rhythm. And that was something that's really got to wait from in the last few years of McCarthy's tenure and through spurts of the first year under Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur, you started to, you started to see is beginning to do that more and more, even, you know, more specifically, more noticeably in that week 16 game in Minnesota, um, that I believe that was the game that decided the division not to rub that in or anything, but, um, <laughs> um, that was the game that I really noticed Aaron Rodgers. He was dropping back. He was stepping into his throws, and he was just slinging it down the field with just reckless. He didn't, you know, he was just throwing with confidence, and he's doing that this season just mm-hmm. more consistently. He's taking what's available to him, and he did that just. Like I said, more consistently, This, uh, more specifically last week against the Texans. He was taking everything that was available to him. And I think you'll see more of that this week against the Vikings, especially just against that secondary that is just depleted right now. So I can't say I really have any concerns, and even more so after just knowing how the season opener went. Yeah. I mean, look, I tell you guys every year about how high I want to be on the Vikings, <laughs> And you, got, you can go back in, into the archives. You can you know, pull up all my old audio clips, do what you want. I am high on the Vikings every year. And I want them to be good. But this we defense... just Yeah, I know you guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but just with as much turnover this defense went through, I think it's like 7 of 11 starters that were replaced. I'm not totally sure. But yeah, um, yeah, a lot. I just, yeah, a most. Lot. A pretty, most. Pretty high number, yeah. Um, I can't see them really being much of a, a, a problem. Similar just how they weren't in, in week one. I can't see them being this huge deciding factor against the Packers on Sunday.
0: I think that's, you know, you certainly have good basis for that take. While well, Vikings fans may not want to hear that, but, I mean, let's just be real here. Again, Drew and I have said this a number of times. We're This is a 1-5 football team. They got that way for a reason. I know that there was a couple of close games there that could have swung one way or the other, but let's be real. They didn't swing the right way, and the Vikings stand where they stand for a reason. And their roster is completely depleted. Their greatest assets of the last few seasons, you think of their pass rush, um, their ability to control defenses with their secondary, their linebackers who can kind of do everything between Barr and Kendrick specifically, but Wilson to a degree as well. All of these major pieces of their defense are no longer the same thing. It's not the same toy. You know, you've gone from Coke to RC Cola in a matter of a year. That's kind of what has happened to the Vikings defense. And the Packers are the perfect team to expose that because of the assets that they do have. Now, you brought up the offensive line, Zach. I want to touch on that real quick because, of course, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are going to come up here. But I think that we do overlook the offensive line a little bit. Um, When you look at this group, right? It, so of course, David Bakhtiari is great. I don't think either any of us here in Vikings territory are going to deny that. We've seen the best from Corey Lindsley and Elgin Jenkins at different pieces of their careers as well. It's the right side where I'm like, how are they getting production out of this group? I see Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner, who I'm very familiar with, being that I played against him. And well, I didn't play, but we are our high school team played <laughs> him in, in uh, when he was in high school, and he wasn't very good there then either, in my opinion. So. I'm curious, how are you getting support, uh, or excuse me, how is Aaron Rodgers getting support with a offensive line that has some mainstays and some very solid players, but also some like Vikings fans can relate. Vikings fans have very solid pieces at three spots, but they can't cover those two holes. And for whatever reason, it seems like the Packers are able to. So what are you seeing from this group that kind of gives you confidence that, you know, Aaron Rodgers can continue to throw without, you know, facing heavy pressure in his face and throwing on schedule.
1: I think what, what you're seeing this year from that offensive line, it's not only a result of just them kind of just really just fitting where they are, but it's, it's that carryover from being in the system in this second year with Matt LaFleur, they're more comfortable with what their assignments are, what they should be doing. And it's also just a testament to the the versatility of some of these guys. I mean, they've had Elton Jenkins flip from from guard to tackle. They've had you know Lucas Patrick can can play at center like he did last year at Dallas. Billy Turner went from right guard last year to right, right. tackle. Um, uh, Rick Wagner he filled in la- last week at Tampa Bay. He went from. Uh, where they presumed he would be uh, stepping in a right tackle to open the season. He would be the starter there after they signed him in the off season. He came in at left tackle once David Bakhtiari dropped out. So it's just that, that flexibility they have back there is so just invaluable. And I think like you said, so many people overlooked that they overlooked that about the offensive line. And as I pointed out a few moments ago, it's so important for Aaron Rodgers, especially when he has that time. I mean, he's been mostly clean this whole season. I think he's been sacked maybe four times, I think, through through their their six games. That's that's ridiculous. Those are like career low numbers. His jersey mm-hmm. has been has been staying clean. And like two or three of those sacks are, are 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 on him, which he even admitted in his own press conferences. So it's also uh, you know. A big endorsement of uh, Adam Stenovich, their offensive line coach. You know the fact that he's been getting them ready. He's been you know, cross training them at multiple positions. that's you know this has been even when jane James Campen was there before stanovich, this you know being able to play multiple positions along the offensive line in the defensive backfield, everywhere. that's such in, in any defense, in any offense across the league, that's such a huge asset to have, you know, being able to just plug in anywhere. That's that's just really valuable to have on your football team, you know. And it's for the Packers offensive line, especially dating back to the days of Dom Barkley. You know, I I, I don't want to mention that name because he was just he was very bad, but <laughs> he was on the team for so long because he played all five positions on the offensive line. So as bad as he was, he was very versatile. So the Packers value value that heavily, and. You know, that's one of the things that makes our offensive line so great.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I can't deny it either because you're right. You know, these guys have been all over the place. I mean, two weeks ago, Billy Turner was playing at right guard, right? And now he's playing right tackle. Um, You know, this, this unit is getting it done consistently. And it's not just against pass rushers like Minnesota, which has been basically inept this season. It's been against everyone. So that's just a major problem for a team that, you know, we talk about on the show a lot the the kind of the the, the 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 kind of the trickle down effect of a good pass rush right and how if you have a bad secondary you definitely need to get a good pass rush and this is something the packers have always seemed to have for basically the last decade it's been tough to get to Aaron Rodgers, whether, whether that's a result of good offensive line play or Rodgers being able to move his feet in the pocket and get away from pressure. The Vikings have had a huge issue getting there, and that's led to a lot of these losses, and I can only see it going one way again this week, and that's because you know Ngakwe's gone, like we said before. Daniil Hunter's not coming back. I don't know how you're getting pressure this week at all. I don't have a clue. And it's, it, you know, Drew, do you, do you see it any other way? I mean, I'm looking at this unit. I'm looking at the Vikings, what the Vikings are going to trot out there. If Eddie Odenigbo is going to be the strongest pass rush this team is going to play on Sunday night.
2: Yeah. I mean, Mike Zimmer better get created. Like this is Mike Zimmer. This is probably the best challenge that he's faced in his Vikings tenure. That includes like 57 eye surgeries and everything else that happened in 2016. Like this is, yeah. If Eddie is the, well, I don't want to knock Odenebo. Like he's been solid as a as a seventh round pick. Uh, you probably exceeded that value, but that's, you know, the top guy he got now was Eddie Arbro maybe is going to be in there. Like, uh, I, good luck, Mr. Coach Mike Zimmer. And it's, it's actually how unreal that the Vikings for as, you know, as inept as you like to say, they have been all year. They're the number three, third down defense in the NFL, uh, which... Testament to Zimmer. Cause I think Rogers spoke a lot about him in the press conference today about how he still respects Zimmer quite a bit. And that might be the one thing Zimmer has left is third down situationally. He's still great with a very depleted roster.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, um, let's talk about the, the money makers here now, right? The, the, the big guys on the Packers offense that once again, I don't really think the Vikings have an answer to, but we'll try to find one. Right. Um, you look at Devontae Adams, you look at what he did the last time these two teams played, of course. he I believe he was shattering Packers records at that point, and he's since done that again with 14 receptions and 156 yards that first week against Minnesota. Uh, he's having the best year of his career, in my personal opinion. I haven't seen Devontae Adams ever play this well. Uh, Zach, what's he doing? Like, I mean, I, we always knew he's a good route runner. We always knew he was a dangerous threat down the field, both at the intermediate and deep levels. We know he's dangerous af- after the catch. But it's the production this year is just that much higher. Is it, is it just a product of getting more targets? But what is he doing that's making him so invincible, basically, against the opposing quarterbacks, regardless of who he's facing?
1: Well, I think it's a couple things. I mean, he, he talks about always getting better every single year. So as invincible as he looked in 2018, off the line, in and out of his routes, in his breaks, everything, He looked even better in 2019, and as good as he looked in 2019, he's looking even better this year. He's just getting more and more fluid by the year. You know, at some point, there's going to be a ceiling. I don't know when it's going to be. I mean, he's still he's still ascending, which is kind of ridiculous to say. Um, And also, the other thing, too, I think also it's a product of kind of the offense. The Packers are moving him around a lot. They're playing him in the slot. They're getting him on the perimeter They're they're using a ton of pre-snap motion, which they're using Adams. They're using Aaron Jones. They're using Tyler Irvin, who's been their primary motion guy. They're also even Equinemius Sam Brown, who barely returned last week in Tampa Bay for his first game of the year. They're involving him in some of the pre-snap motion stuff. So they're getting a lot of guys involved, and that's exploiting some of these matchups in their favor. Um, so a lot of that stuff, that's getting Adams one-on-one. That's getting him matched up in, in just favorable favorable uh, situations now even when he's not in a favorable favorable situation even when he's one-on-one with somebody or if they have a safety over the top that's going to come down and either shadow him or 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 double him that's still something that is favorable for the Packers because Devontae Adams obviously he's he's ridiculous just his route running his release off the line that's not something that as a defense you can really prepare for especially even as as a corner because look I'm I'm in the in the camp that playing cornerback is probably the hardest position on a football field. Because you have no idea what the yeah. hell the wide receiver is gonna do. You have no idea which way he's breaking, which way he's gonna cut, and you have to prepare for it. You gotta prepare your knees, you gotta prepare your feet, everything. I think it's the hardest position on the field. That and quarterback, obviously, but that's a whole other conversation. Um Yeah. So I think what he's doing is just a product of him ascending as a player and what the Packers are doing offensively. And also, a third thing, they don't really have anybody else outside of Devontae Adams. <laughs> I was, I was
0: waiting that for support... that point to come up. I was waiting
2: yeah. for that. I think that's important. <laughs> that's important. So, I
0: mean, he's getting 15, 16, 17 targets a game. Like, that's going to inflate your numbers.
1: That Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a bad thing, too, because when he's getting you know 16 targets a game, you know that might work against the Texans' defense. I don't know. I don't know if necessarily that's going to work against a a good defense. You know, like the Buccaneers, or if they have to go in, into San Francisco, who as you know, as kind of iffy as they are right now, as hard as they are to project right now, I still think they're a good football team. And I still think they're going to probably clobber the shit out of the Packers. Um,
0: <laughs> you do. You guys do have history there. You do have a problem with San Francisco yeah i was there in november I, was yeah. in I got to watch that ass beating i got to watch it all right so Devonte adams is killing it drew um you and i were discussing beforehand before we even got zach on the line that the vikings basically like they don't even have bodies to throw at him like there's a real problem with just having a body on the field playing cornerback for the vikings this year i'm not exaggerating like this is a. I think it was was a Cameron Dancer just entered COVID protocol. Yeah. Jeff Gladney is projected to be the number one cornerback for the Vikings. We know very well about his deficiencies, both in the fact that he's a rookie and also his physical stature, which sounds like a problem to me if he is forced to cover Devontae Adams one on one. Drew, is there any way that the Vikings can cover Devontae Adams, or do we just have to kind of let him run loose and hope he tires himself out? I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer here.
2: Uh, I just remember the thing I was frustrated about week one was how soft the Vikings coverage was in terms of uh, comp- like at the line of scrimmage. Right. Um, and like just handing the Packers those eight to 10 yard, uh, you know, timing routes over and over. So I'm hoping that changes. I hope you want to at least make Rodgers and the receiver kind of uh, if it's Adams or, you know, whoever it is, just earn it right. Like beat the corner at the line of scrimmage and, you know, make Rogers throw an accurate throw down on the field, which he very well might do, but at least make him earn it. And so that's the one thing I, I want to see change a little bit. But if it's Gladney, if it's Harrison Hand, if it's God, I don't even know. I can't even think of the other guys at this point that would be healthy because everybody else is, is not healthy. So uh, bracket Adams and then make, you know, Valdez Scantling beat you. Uh, I guess is probably the only uh, thought I have. Otherwise you're gonna have to let Rodgers, let Adams get his, and hopefully the Vikings offense can keep up, I guess. I don't I don't really like that either but this is where we're at (laughs) yeah i
0: i don't have anything to add really you know that that is kind of where the vikings are at and the fact that you know it's hard to name one like that's a that's a real problem right like that's something that's not just a coaching issue that's a and drew and i went over this last week that's an upper management issue too i don't i don't know how you're expected to plan for five cornerbacks down the depth chart but the vikings didn't and here we are so Devontae adams I mean, I would look for him to run free this weekend. I I think I feel like the Vikings are in a tough situation as it is, and it's really only getting tougher because the Packers are the the Vikings' kryptonite in a number of different ways. It's not just that they're, you know, their top rival in the NFC North. It's they're built. They're constructed in a way right now that takes apart rush
2: too. Yeah, a pass rush on defense.
0: Let's talk about that. I mean, we could talk. We could spend some time talking about Aaron Jones, I'm sure. But everyone, I think we're all very familiar with Aaron Jones, given what he did week six, 16 last year. So let's talk about that defense a little bit, because I do think that this Packers unit has kind of taken the next step, right? It's not just Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith getting pressure anymore. Now there's help on the back end, too. Um, so let's start with Jair Alexander, Zach, um, because he's the hot name right now. If you guys follow Pro Football Focus, I'm sure you've been seeing plenty of um, statistic, or quote advanced statistics about Alexander and the way that he's performed this year. Um, last week, it was only one target for Alexander um, the entire game. Uh, granted, this is the Houston's wide re- Houston Texans wide receiver core, but that did happen. So Alexander is a guy who we have seen as Vikings fans develop, right? We've seen the first game that he played against Minnesota, and we've seen the most recent game. Um, most recently, he had the safety. The coverage in that game was not awesome. Adam Thielen, I think, got him a couple of times. And throughout his career, Adam Thielen has really had Alexander's number for the most part, with the exception of a couple of really big plays. So I see this public perception of Alexander that's growing, and rightfully so, but it's different because the perception in Minnesota has always just been that he's just another cornerback. Now he's getting these national recognition as being not just a shutdown cornerback, but one of the top cornerbacks in the league this year.
1: yeah no you're i mean it, it, it's funny that you mention his name because commentators like you know by the week they haven't been calling his name much because he has been shutting receivers down he has just been keeping he has just been keeping quiet he has shadowed his side of the field and when you can when you can let your defensive coordinator kind of really play 10 on 10 football and just strictly handle your assignment i mean that's that's huge that's huge for mike petten which i mean that's it's ridiculous to me how you have that great of a corner and your defense is still as kind of just shitty as it is. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, no, he he's really taking that next step. And I like that you mentioned that, uh, that, that season opener because Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, they both combined for four catches and 66 yards against him, according to pro football focus. Um, yeah, and he did, he did have the safety. He had the interception, um, I think he was targeted six times in that game, and like I said, he allowed the four catches. So that was actually his—that season opener, that was his worst game of the season. And ever since then, he's just been shutting guys down. I don't know—I don't have—I can't do the exact math in my head, but he's been up against number one receivers. He's been up against Calvin Ridley, when Julio Jones dropped out of the game, of course. He's been up against Calvin Ridley. He um,
0: Calvin Ridley really didn't have a catch in that game, right? I don't think he. he I he don't, was don't the, think the game that him. Calvin Ridley just completely disappeared and we were making fun of him for. I think. Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. In front of a Monday Night Football audience, prime time.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and even against even against the Buccaneers, when the Packers defense was just kind of just falling apart at the seams, he was only targeted four times and he allowed a pair of catches for 27 yards. So he's he's definitely taking that next step. Just as far as his own commodity. Now, the rest of the defense, like I said, that's just a whole other conversation. You know, they have they have their own problems in certain situational context to sort out. Alexander's been doing his part. And I wrote about that last week going into the Houston game. They, you know, he's been doing his part. The defense still has their issues to sort out, but him, as far as him being his own commodity, yeah, he's been he's been excellent.
2: So, how do you think the, you know, Alexander will handle Thielen and or Jefferson? Will he just handle Thielen or will he be on Jefferson and let, you know, maybe they bracket Thielen? What do you think will happen there?
1: Well, Jefferson, uh, he, he kind of bounces between the slot and the perimeter, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of depends. I think they'll stick him on, on Phelan mostly. I think that'll be probably his primary assignment. If, if, if Jefferson kind of matches up against him, I think it just mostly depends on wherever he matches up on. But I think Alexander probably stays on one side of the field in this game. Uh, in that first matchup, yeah, he he handled both. But if Jefferson bounces to the slot, then that'll be that'll be Shannon Sullivan's guy.
0: Got it. So I look at the rest of this unit now, right? Um, you expressed some question marks. Let's call it that, right? With the rest of this uh, this defense for the Packers, uh, yeah. I assume that our perception of where the weaknesses fall. It's probably a little bit different. So I kind of want your take on that. Like when I look at this unit, I obviously see K- big Kenny Clark in the middle. We know he's one of the best in the biz. The Preston Smith and Zedaria Smith have been lights out since they came over as pass rushers. Alexander, of course, stands out. Adrian Amos coming over from Chicago has been, in my opinion, solid, maybe pedestrian for his contract and the kind of the worth that that he is, you know, um, established for himself financially. But there are some pieces here where you just mentioned Shannon sullivan for one but you've got kevin king who i'm a fan of personally as a vikings fan because for the most part he normally blows it with the exception of the one time when kirk cousins needed to make a play right <laughs> um, darnell savage another player that i liked a lot coming out of maryland but again i haven't seen enough to suggest that he's going to be a pro bowler or all pro or you know a true threat and so i've only mentioned six or seven guys there there's a lot more question marks so when your opinion zach when you look at your defense, where is the flaw? Where what can be exposed? What and what does it take to expose that trait um, that you consider to be the biggest issue for the Packers' defense?
1: It's their lack of pass rush, and I think that's a big reason why their safeties—not just Savage, but Adrian Amos too—you know their safeties just in general have been struggling this season, and that's a big reason why um, uh, Darnell Savage has taken a step back this season as opposed to where he was as a rookie um you know for the first aside from last week uh with the pass rush they really stepped up preston smith suddenly appeared he woke up from his hibernation and everything um they weren't the tandem that they were last year you know zadarius and preston Rashawn gary's been playing well but that starting tandem they haven't been what they were last year i don't know what it is that you know maybe they just took a step back they they regressed Oh, are you guys there? Okay, sorry. I, I like, lost connection <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> I got scared. Uh, but, anyways, yeah, the pass rush took a step back, and I've always been a huge proponent of saying, I know every a lot of people have, but I've definitely been very vocal about this. Whatever your pass rush does, your secondary is going to benefit from it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, as opposed yeah. to the great the great corners, the great safeties, where whatever your pass rush does, it doesn't matter. You know, guys like Charles Woodson and you know players like that. It doesn't really matter who you have up front. They're going to feast. They're going to have great days. Secondary, like the Packers, you got Kevin King, who, you know, iffy. He's had a pretty good year. He's taken a big leap the last maybe year and a half or so. Jair Alexander, obviously, he's a big, uh, you know, taking a big step forward as well. But you got a young corner in the back, a uh, young safety in the backfield. You got Adrian Amos. Do um, you need that pass rush? you need everything to work in unison? You know, and Mike Pennant hes not—he's not this defensive mastermind. You know, he's not someone who I've spoken highly of. Mike Zimmer, who I agree, he shouldn't be—he shouldn't be fired. I, I agree with Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be fired when you're when you're working with as much defensive turnover as he is right now. I know you guys are—you know—we're <laughs> know.
0: on the fence on that one. We're on the fence right now. We need to see some more football.
1: I think you—I think you—you—you you, you could practice the little leniency when you when you taking all the other variables and you consider what he's working with. And, you know, like Drew said, there are some, you know, the third down uh, getting, being able to get off the field, but I mean, they are ranked near dead last in about every other category. First and second uh, down is not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything else is about bad, but anyways, Mike, Mike Pettin's defense has too much talent on it. Pretty much too many good players for it to be as average to below average as it is right now. All right. You know, just the lack of pass rush. That's just their biggest issue right now.
2: So I I, I smell a shootout coming this weekend. If the, well, that's it, if the Vikings can keep up. I'm not sure Kirk Cousins wins a shootout against Aaron Rodgers, but you know, if the, if you're not confident in a Packers pass rush, I think if the Vikings can get protection, that's the only scenario where Kirk could actually thrive a little bit. So, so that's where the I Vikings at, it, at, at, at points. I, yeah.
0: Like they, they don't have anything the Vikings are basically a three man football team right now, with Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. And obviously they need to have the the five guys up front protecting him, but that's basically where their offenses come from. I mean, is Dalvin Cook even gonna play? I don't I don't know. I thought
1: he would return after the bye.
0: We kind of you make that assumption, right? But it's still some of these things are still up in the air, and Alexander Madison didn't look great last week. So if assuming or two weeks ago, I should say, um assuming that cook is not on the field the vikings have a real problem and i mean we've expressed that i think in, in a comprehensive fashion here so uh we don't have a whole lot of time left with zach here uh but i do want to hear your thoughts on kind of what you think how you think this one's going to play out so um we'll move into our picks here we'll keep you on the line here for um the packers vikings picks um zach why don't you go first for us uh what do you, how do you see this game playing out uh what's the final score if you don't want to do a score you can do like a, a spread like a te- like a, it's a 10 point game 20 point game whatever um and who is your pick for this week although i i, I don't really think that question has too much merit behind it
1: no i think i think drew kind of hit it on the head i think you're going to see a little bit of a shootout the the packers corners they're going to need to kind of stick with their guy for a little while if they can't get past Vikings off you know against the Vikings offensive line and kind of really knock Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins off balance look I think the week one game I think that was an anomaly Kirk Cousins he he is known for shredding this defense he has his way with the Packers defense so going into the season into week one no preseason reps, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, no nothing. I think, all, you know, all those things should be considered when taking any week one game into account and, and trying to evaluate it. So I think this matchup is going to be different from what, you know, what uh what we saw back in September. I think Kirk Cousins has a good day as as much as I like to make him the brunt of my jokes and just <laughs> slander him for being a, a creep and a robot and just being a total weirdo. Because let's face it, he's a weirdo. I mean, come on, look, look at the guy. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah I think it is going to be a little bit of a shootout I don't see the Packers defense really stepping up and just putting a halt to what the Vikings are able to do offensively especially if Dalvin Cook plays Uh, because I I group him in that same category with Alvin Kamara obviously and they weren't able to put a lid on Alvin Kamara so uh, my final score I got 38-26 but I don't I think that 12 point gap I don't think it's going to be as far apart as it seems. I think maybe there's going to be a late touchdown scored by the Packers, maybe you know who knows, maybe like an interception brought back for a touchdown or something. So we'll probably That'd see be like classic maybe, probably, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm It'll, I'm honestly yeah. kind of going in the other direction with the with the way that those points play out. I think it's going to be <laughs> I think it's going to be very similar to the last time these two teams played, right? You look at the way it was 43 to 34. was the final last time. Mm-hmm. I saw a 43 to 10 football game cousins decided <laughs> to do his thing where he makes his fantasy odors happy by throwing for 200 yards and a couple scores late in the game. And it doesn't matter to anyone except for Kirk cousins and his next contract. So that's how I see this one playing out too. This is the Viking super bowl, right? We are a one in five football team. I don't know how many times I need to say that, but we are and nothing else really matters other than beating your rivals at this point in time. So the Vikings get the Packers at Lambeau Field. If they win this game, hell, I'll be happy for the rest of the year because this really is the only win that I want left on the schedule. Period. But I don't think it's going to happen. I've got Packers winning by 14, probably a two-touchdown game. Uh, Drew, are you going any different direction so, here or are we three on the Packers?
2: This game, this this sport is weird enough. The Vikings are weird enough where this is – I'm not going to call for an upset. I'm not doing that. But remember how, <laughs> we, thought, remember oh. how we thought about the Vikings-Seahawks game? And oh, we're like, oh, geez, they really have to put this on national TV. Like, this is going to be a bloodbath. Vikings should have won that game, really. And so uh, I think this will be close. One possession game, but the Packers win it. I think uh, there's going to be that classic Vikings mistake at the end of the game that uh, gives the uh, – excuse me, that the classic Vikings mistake at the end of the game that gives the Packers the win. Uh, and the Packers move on to 6-1, and one, Vikings down to 1-6, and six, and the tank continues. <laughs>
0: all
1: right yeah, those are those... very similar
0: <laughs> all right so you have our three picks for the week uh Zach's got another show to jump onto so uh we're gonna let him do that Zach do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience uh before we let you go here and drew and I make the remaining of our picks
1: no closing thoughts other than uh it's always nice getting back together with you guys every year you know and always appreciate you guys reaching out bringing me on
0: nice. absolutely Zach. we uh will definitely have you on um I guess we probably won't see for a year, but uh, we will see you again. I'm sure uh, we always enjoy your coverage. And uh, for those of you who also enjoy Zach's coverage, make sure to check him out. Um, You can find his writing on Packer Report. He's also involved in a couple of other different shows as well. Uh, he's got content all over his Twitter feed. So Zach, what's your Twitter handle so they can find all you?
2: Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's kind of a loaded question.
0: BJ. I know it is. Know it is. <laughs> um,
1: my Twitter question for now, I mean my Twitter account for now is uh, it's Zachariah J. I don't mean it's Zachariah J. I mean, it's, it's literally <laughs> ITS. At, S- at, z- it's at, at it's Zachariah J. Yes. At <laughs> so it's Zachariah J. Yes.
0: For now. So basically what he's saying is go find his writing on PackerReport.com. Uh, Zach does a great job, um, and we're very thankful, as always, for you coming on here and making some jokes with us, having some fun at the Vikings' expense. That's kind of what we do here. So uh, thanks for joining us, Zach, and uh, we will definitely catch you soon course see you guys all right so back to just drew and i for the remainder of this episode uh we'll be making our picks here for the week of course drew and i just jumped on the green bay train for the vikings game so let's finish it out here with the remaining 13 matchups we have for this weekend uh doesn't look like a great slate but there's a couple of big winners in here for sure so uh Thursday night game, as of this recording, I'm sure this will be tonight's game, I suppose. Uh, You got the Atlanta Falcons heading to Teddy Bridgewater's Carolina Panthers. Uh, Both of these teams are kind of interesting, I suppose. Uh, Carolina blew a late one last week against New Orleans. Uh, they kind of see on the, seem like a fringe competitive team, and Atlanta did its thing again last week against Detroit and lost on the last second once again. I don't know how you pick Atlanta. Of course, Drew and I picked Atlanta both last week um, in our week where we didn't record a show for our picks. Uh, so we missed that one. Are, are we dumb enough to go Atlanta again, or is Carolina getting it done here?
2: Of course, the one time the Falcons actually win the game is against the Vikings, uh, <laughs> so that's great. Uh, how about... Todd Gurley scoring that touchdown. Like, if he falls down at the one-yard line, they win the game. And, uh, you know, he had to fall into the end zone. And then uh, Detroit wins that game in classic Atlanta fashion to lose that one. But I'm going to stick with Teddy. Uh, that Falcons defense. That Falcons team. They're just so dysfunctional. And I don't know. It, how can you trust them at this point? Like, yeah, your one win is against the Vikings. Congratulations. Like, I'm t- I'm going to take Carolina here. Teddy is... They're not rolling but he's got them, you know, competitive in pretty much every game.
0: Absolutely. Um I'm going to take Carolina as well cuz to the safe pick here. I just said like you shouldn't be picking Atlanta for anything. I know we don't have money on these picks or at least I don't, sometimes Drew does, but I'm not going to I'm not risking a thought on Atlanta winning a football game until I can pr- see visual evidence that they know how to close out a game. They just lost the, you know, they lost to the team that has been shitting down its leg. For its entire existence. The Falcons are the new Lions. They are. They're at least playing like them. So I'm going Carolina until far- further notice. Um, next one here. On paper sounds really good. Uh, new England at Buffalo. Cam-, Cam Newton has been struggling. Buffalo has been also struggling. Uh, this is a matchup of two teams that looked really good the first three weeks. And then since then have kind of eh, fallen off a little bit. And opened up that, uh, that division for a little bit more competition I suppose. So. Uh, This is a big one. This one has weight probably towards the end of the line here when we're figuring out who wins that AFC East at the end of the year, Uh, who you got Cam Newton or Josh Allen this week.
2: I I got the bills, but I do think the Patriots bounce back pretty good after an ugly performance against the Niners last week. I think they bounce back and make this one close, but I got the, I got the bills narrowly.
0: So I'm going to take Buffalo as well. I do think that new England is going to bounce back. Uh, At some point, I just don't think it's going to be this week. Uh, And I'm I'm, I'm concerned that it might end up costing Cam Newton his job. I mean, he's the one who brought it up. He's not playing well enough to be a starting quarterback right now. Uh, And New England's not winning enough games to not at least consider the option of Jarrett has not looked good when he's been on the field. But hell, who knows at this point? So um, there's more answers than questions at Buffalo. So I'm going Buffalo this week. Uh, The next one here is Tennessee at Cincinnati. Tennessee playing about as good a football as you can play right now. Uh, Joe Burrow is kind of leading the charge in the burning house right now for Cincinnati. We just saw Carlos Dunlap get traded after throwing a tantrum for about a week and a half. He's in Seattle now, so they lost another piece. But Joe Burrow is, I believe, top three in the league in passing yards right now. So mm-hmm. he's at least he's getting throwing the ball
2: done. a ton for a rookie, which <laughs> he's is doing good a solid him. job. Yeah, he's he's they're hanging in there and they're close in every game.
0: But are they good enough to compete with Tennessee? Are they and even further, are they good enough to compete enough to win this game at home? By the way, um, uh, so I they're... think
2: it's close because it seems like it seems like every Titans game is close. Uh, but I do have Tennessee winning. And I mean, here's the thing about Tennessee, you know, they have uh, pretty much all their games are close. But their only loss is to the only undefeated team in the league. So they're right up there with the best in the league. Um, they got Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee as well. This should be, you know, in theory, this is a, the type of game where you gloss over. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you just expect the win and you're moving on to the next week. So I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I'm going to use that kind of ignorance is bliss style of picking a team. And I'm going to pick the team that just seems like the better one. And we're going to move forward to the next game here. So uh, Drew and I are Grant, Green Bay, Carolina, Buffalo, Tennessee in that order for both of us so far. Uh, Oakland at Cleveland is the next one on the docket here. Uh excuse me, Oakland, Not, that's my bad, Las Vegas. I, I knew I was going to do that at some point this year. Um, Las Vegas, who has been clamoring for respect for basically this entire year, and to a degree, they have earned mine because they played a lot better football than I think a lot of us thought they would. And this is a team that we clowned pretty hard for you know, the Khalil Mack trade, the Amari Cooper trade, getting rid of all these assets. And now some of these assets are starting to turn into redeemable players. Um, and this team looks a lot better Uh, Now, than a lot of teams that didn't choose to rebuild. Cough, cough, the Minnesota Vikings. So, they're playing against the Browns. Baker Mayfield had the biggest moment of his entire career last week, throwing that late touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones and saving himself from uh, an array of scrutiny this week. Can he get it done again against a quality football team in Las Vegas who, uh, looking at what they can do, if David Carr, excuse me, if, if David Carr looked, David Carr. If Derek Carr looks go. good, Vegas is a team that can beat just about anyone, and they have contended with literally everyone to date. So, can does Cleveland do enough to get it done this week?
2: They do. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right about Vegas. So they can. They just beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, but uh, with that said, I'm taking. Um, I'm going to take Browns, and uh, I think Stefanski's got that offense humming, despite kind of the weird dynamic that was obj not getting the ball blah 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 like they're still putting up points
0: and that's resolved now by the way with odell beckham being <laughs> only, way to
2: resolve the issue
0: it's, it is one way uh, i'm gonna go with cleveland as well i'm gonna ride that heater i mean i want cleveland to be good you and i have talked about this like i, I want this team to have a fan i
2: do for sure like
0: absolutely and yeah. just for the franchise and the fans as a whole like i like when they have success in cleveland so that's what well, I we want don't know
2: what it's team. like when they have success, like we've never experienced it. So
0: I guess that's fair. The only thing I remember is the Derek Anderson, Braylon Edwards year where they won 10 games. And that's literally it for my entire life of being an outside state of Cleveland football fan. So, uh, all right. So still uh, no splits for us yet. Uh, We might get one here. Indianapolis at Detroit is the next one here. Uh, Detroit, of course, we've already mentioned a, a team that loves to choke, but seemed to get it together enough last week to beat the ultimate choker in Atlanta. Now, then you've got Indiana, who is led by Philip Rivers, who is literally the face of choking. So another Choker Bowl, if you will. Uh, but Indianapolis has a, a few more pieces to kind of to, to get wins with than Detroit, who is basically heavily heavily leading on Matthew Stafford's arm um, to get it done week in and week out. So who do you got in this one?
2: I'm going to take Detroit. Uh, going with the home team here, uh, I, I there's no real reason for it. Like I, I think the Colts are the better team, but uh, I'm just going to ride with the, the Lions after the big emotional win last week. Um, and I think they're going to be 4-3 and three after that, which is kind of weird to say. Like They're weirdly still alive and very much in the hunt for a playoff spot only halfway through the season. But uh, I'm going to pick Detroit.
0: So I'm going to take Indianapolis because I think this one's a toss-up and I think this is a good opportunity for me here to – pick up a spot in our in our in our picks, because this one really, to me, is a coin flip, because like you said, I mean, Detroit's three and three. They're not a bad football team by any means. Uh, And the Colts have they're defective. They're four and two. They have pieces that are problems. And Philip Rivers, I mean, as much as I love the guy, he's right there. So uh, I'm going to take Indianapolis. We split on that one. Uh, Next one here is the New York Jets against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on that. Uh, I think we know where we're picking Mm, here, right? Yeah, we're going Kansas
2: City by lots.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Kansas City for both of us. Next one here is the Los Angeles Rams against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, The Rams looked like a good team. Uh, Not necessarily a great team. And Miami has looked better than I think we thought they would again. And now we get to see Tua Tua Tagovailoa. There you oh, go. I'm struggling with talking through this segment here. Um,
2: kind of important for a podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't... This is an interesting spot for him to get his first kind of, uh, you know, real uh, time in the NFL with a good Rams defense that has, you know, in my opinion, probably the two best defensive players in the NFL. Um, and they're, you know, they're Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So, um, is there any reason not to pick the Rams here?
2: I'm picking the Dolphins. They're scrappy. Uh, and... I kind of want to go against the grain with this one. And I think the Rams are also one of those teams that like you get them on the road, um, you know, on the opposite side of the country. Uh, and they can, they've done this before where they've come out sluggish. Um, so I'm going to pick Miami. I think they will be energized with Tua in there and they're scrappy again. I think that's, they're, it's, it's, they're going to make this uh, AFC East interesting down the stretch here. They're, they're going to be right there. Not, not saying they're going to win it, but they'll make Buffalo play out the rest of their games. I think.
0: All right. All right. I'm going to go Los Angeles. I'm going to take the safe pick here. Uh, I think you made that a whole lot easier by picking kind of going bold there. I do think Miami is underrated, and I do think that there's a very real possibility that you could see this team be energized by Tua playing for the first time and having a little bit of, quote, beginner's luck. Um, I'm not saying that. Tua needs luck to be good, but as a rookie quarterback, I mean, we've seen the hoops that Joe Burrow has had to jump through. Tua will have to jump through those same hoops. I don't think that, um, you know, he's prepared enough to this point uh, to beat a very quality opponent uh, in the Los Angeles Rams. So for that reason, I'm going to take um, Los Angeles in this matchup. Um, then we got probably the best game of the week here. Um, in my opinion, it's the best rivalry in football. I'm talking about the AFC North, of course, and the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. So Pittsburgh coming in, arguably the best team in football. Baltimore coming in, the reigning MVP at quarterback, arguably one of the the most dominant teams across the board in terms of just personnel and what they put out every single week. Uh, This is going to be, you know, this is smash mouth football. This is old school football. uh, And it's, you know, this should be a fun one. So ultimately, who do you see, you know, coming out as the victor in this matchup of defense heavy teams that are also led by, you know, very strong signal callers and supporting cast members.
2: I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I'm riding with the Steelers. Uh, I I think, I think they're for real. They have the playmakers on offense um, and big Ben can still orchestrate a high octane offense for sure. And that defense might be as good, if not better than Baltimore's. I think T- Pittsburgh defense can play. So I'm going to take the Steelers. I, I think, uh, I think they're going to run the seven and zero here.
0: So I think that Pittsburgh is the better team. I do think that they are at this moment in the year. I think that Pittsburgh is the, you know, the team to beat outside of Kansas city and the AFC. That being said, this this rivalry literally throws everything out the window. It doesn't really matter what the records are coming in. And I know that, you know, it's cliche to say that because it's a division game. But this team, tr- these two teams truly across the board, like, they play 500 football, like, against each other. I mean, they play, like, 1,000 football, mm. you know, separately. So... <laughs> um, I'm going to take Baltimore here. I'm going to bet on Lamar Jackson, although I will say I am skeptical on that pick. And it's not going to shock me if Pittsburgh is able to get after him, cause a couple fumbles, you know, do the thing that kind of the shtick that has worked against Lamar Jackson in his brief career in the NFL. Um, Next one here, we head to the AFC West. Uh, The Los Angeles Chargers are facing off against Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. Um, Justin Herbert looks awesome. He looks like so much fun. I'm very jealous of that. Um, Is he... Is he finally going to get it done, though? I mean, I know he's having fun. He's playing great football. He's not quite getting the results on paper. Is Denver the team that he's going to get the results on?
2: I think so. I think so. I'm going to take Chargers here. I think it's, yeah, you're right. He is due to kind of get the actual, you know, the win, right? And he, I mean, they beat Jacksonville, but, you know, right we would beat Jacksonville right now. So (laughs) um, I'm going to, I'll take Herbert. I think he is a lot of fun. And that was a pick as of right now. Now, this is super early, but. Uh, he looks way better than I thought he would look.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, he was a different player at Oregon completely. And now I've I've read that the biggest difference is they're just asking him to be more aggressive than he was when he was in college. You know, playing in a Pac-12 offense, it was just different. And now he's being asked to throw the ball down the field to two guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who are perfect go-getters for that type of offense. So, um, I love seeing it. I love seeing the Ascension. I'm I'm taking Justin Herbert's uh, Chargers to get kind of a foundational win in their division this week. Uh, last four here. New Orleans at Chicago should be a fun one, of course, against two teams that are very good record-wise. But both of these teams, I think every week we see them play and we're like, are they actually a good football team? I'm talking more about Chicago than New Orleans because the deficiencies are more glaring in Chicago. But ultimately – these are two teams that have great records and are in great position. I believe Chicago is, what, second or third in the NFC right now?
2: Well, now there's – it's funny. They went from first to seventh on that loss because now the Packers are ahead of them in the division. But okay. talking well, about a record only, they're, I think, second or third.
0: Okay. Well, regardless, uh, these are two very good teams that have you know deficiencies as well. So who are you leaning on here, Drew Brees or Nick Foles? So
2: w- there's one reason I'm picking the Bears. And it's because the Saints have not played outside this year. And Roe Drew Brees, outdoors, he's much different, right? And it's going to be cold, uh, at least colder than the Saints have played in this year. I think that'll throw things off quite a bit for them. Uh, And I think the the Bears are better suited for uh, a kind of a cold weather, maybe defensive battle type game. So I'm going to take the Bears and it's more of a uh, kind of a testament against the Saints in that environment rather than the Bears.
0: So generally speaking, I think you guys would know this, I would take New Orleans. I'm going to also take Chicago here uh, because I see the glaring issues in New Orleans now. It's just the Alvin Kamara show. Even with with Mike Thomas being out, the passing game does not look the same, and that's on Drew Brees. Like, he just looks old this year. He doesn't look like the same guy. I thought there was just moments early on in the year where he just kind of looked a little bit washed. Straight up, like I don't know if he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback right now. He's something needs to kick into gear, and maybe this is the game to do it. Uh, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Chicago's defense to get it done here. Uh, I think it'll be a close one, and I think this will be a thriller for sure. Uh, but I'm gonna take Chicago too. Uh, next one here, West, another big rivalry matchup. 49ers head to Seattle. So, you know, without the injuries, I think this is one of the best matchups in football. Uh, but San Francisco, and as Zach was alluding to while well, he's still on the show here. They're kind of up and down, right? Like, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. They're hard to project. They, they show up one week and destroy everything, and they show up another week, and it's like they're, you know, Atlanta. <laughs> they just fall <clears> apart <throat> at the seams. So um, this was a hard one to pick because Seattle's very consistent, but I think the ceiling is higher in San Francisco.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I'm going to take Seattle in this game, uh, and I think it's just – Like Russ Wilson is kind of the one thing that has been consistent, right? And a couple of, I don't want to say fluky because I think they were his mistake, but the interceptions last week, you know, if he gets rid of those, I think Seattle wins that game pretty handily last week. So then I don't expect him to throw three interceptions again or anything like that. So I'm going to take Seattle, I'm going to take Russ to bounce back strong, and I think that'll be too much for the Niners.
0: So I'm going to take San Francisco. Um, Here's why. I don't really have a great explanation for this, but... San Francisco always plays Seattle tough Um, in the same fashion that this week is Minnesota's Super Bowl. um, This very well could be treated like San Francisco's Super Bowl because of how dangerous, like how, you know, that NFC West is, you know, it's all good football teams, basically. And San Francisco right now is kind of, I mean, I understand that they're in solid position, but they're kind of on the outside looking in with the trajectory, the way that they look compared to Arizona, Los Angeles and Seattle. Is questionable. I I don't have an answer to where this this team could finish fourth or first still. But I think that they're going to show up this week against Seattle because this is really the one game every year where San Francisco always seems to play well, and that's against Seattle. So I'm going to pick the 49ers here, and we'll okay. split on that one as well. Um, final two here. We have the worst football team in the NFL playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm, of course, speaking about the Dallas Cowboys, who are now without uh, – Andy Dalton as well, and they looked literally like the worst team I've ever seen in my life last
2: they week. They made you Washington know. look awesome last week,
0: <laughs> and that's that should be saying something. If you have, it, you know, it's it, it, it's literally baffling. If you caught any mo- Dallas football game last week, they don't look a thing like they used to. Like they need to pay Dak Prescott every dollar in their bank account because they can't, because they paid Zeke.
2: And they paid Amari Cooper. Like that's the that's the whole issue, and that's why I that like I, don't, I I I wouldn't blame Dak for having some sort of like you know uh, issue with Zeke and, and Amari for that. Like he kind of took their they kind of took his money, you know, a little bit. But now they got Ben DiNucci, uh, <laughs> FCS James Madison. Uh, you know, you see what Zeke Lance Elliott
0: from. said about him? How they were like? I did not. They asked Zeke about about him and how he's commanding kind of the huddle and how he's handling the added pressure of being the starter and all that type of thing. And he was like, Oh, he looks good out there. He said kind of the cliche answer. And he's like, and the the reporter responded by saying, is this something that you kind of a Testament to on the field, working with him? Or is it something that you've seen from watching his games in college or his film or kind of prior uh, scouting reports? And Zeke Elliott responded by saying, well, honestly, I don't know where I would find his film. So, and that's fair. I mean, this guy yeah, that's starting is like—I don't know how you'd find it either. So, the question, of course, becomes: Can this dude who just dropped out of the heavens, kind of like Tony Romo did, for the record, by the way—I'm uh, just saying, I'm just saying, just for fun, just for fun—can um, he get it done against Philadelphia? I mean, this is the biggest game on Dallas's schedule now, too. They hate Philly, and it goes—it goes the other way too. But Philly has something to play for here. So, who you got in this one?
2: Sad thing is both teams still have something to play for because, you know, like the Eagles are leading the division at two and four and, and one. The Dallas is a half game out. Um, I'm going to take the safe pick here in Philly uh, until I see Ben DiNucci look like a, an adequate starting quarterback. Uh, also, the Cowboys defense is it stinks, and so I think the Eagles can, you know, it could be me and you at receiver for the Eagles. They would put up some points. So I'm going to go with Philly. All
0: right, I'm on Philly as well. Um, I can't talk the way I just did about Dallas and then pick Uh Philly. It is for me as well. And the final game, the Monday night game of the, this week, not a very exciting one. Uh, Tom Brady heads to the New York giants. Uh, is this as an easy pick as I think it is?
2: Yes. Uh, Tampa Bay pretty, pretty easily here. The giants just don't look any good. Uh, right. I think Daniel Jones is uh, trip and fall by himself. was kind of an, an embodiment of where the giants are at right now.
0: I can't say it any better. I'm going with Tampa Bay as well. Um, And with that said, that closes out our show. So um, where we stand through our picks, Drew and I both went 11 and three last week. I'm at 72 and 33 cumulatively, and he's at 69 and 36. I hold a very, very narrow three game lead through what? Seven weeks of picks so far and starting on a week eight. Uh, So that's all I got. Um, Any final thoughts from you before we close this thing out?
2: Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to be talking about trade stuff potentially next week. Uh, so there'll be, that that's one thing to monitor is there might be a surprise inactive maybe on Sunday or something like that. Uh, that could be an indication being traded before the Tuesday, de- uh, trade deadline next week.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good point. Um, absolutely. All right. So we will, uh, pick this thing up next week here. Uh, if you enjoyed Jack Zach's coverage with us here of the Packers, make sure to check him out. Um, like I said, he is on Packer report.com. That's part of the, what is it? The two, four, seven sports network, yep. right? Uh, he also does game on Wisconsin, which is a live, uh, Wisconsin based show. Of course, Zach is, um, Doing that from california but uh, he's all over the place uh you can find him you know on podcasts all over the, like literally the reason why zach had to leave this show is because he had to go do another podcast so if you search zach jacobson you're gonna find um uh, some good content mm-hmm. and uh you know he's one of our favorites so thanks again for to him for joining us and for us um of course you can find us on daily norseman um, climbing the pocket network with the rest of those guys creating content Uh you can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And, of course, if you do enjoy watching this on video, we will be on YouTube as well. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening to us. Uh, we hope you enjoy this Vikings-Packers matchup and you know, pray for a miracle. But if not, Drew and I will be back and uh, we'll go over this thing with you guys next Tuesday. So thanks for joining and we will catch you next week.